You are listening to the Daily Fuel podcast presented by me, your host, David Roseland. These studies are intended to strengthen your grip on the Christian walk by opening your understanding to the things of God found in His precious Word. Please subscribe to Daily Fuel so that the podcast will hit your account as soon as we publish additional messages. For more information, please check out www.prestoncitybible.org. That's www.prestoncitybible, all one word, .org. And consider joining us live or in person on Sunday mornings and Wednesday evenings. May God, our Father, fortify you with His grace and peace as you walk by His Spirit according to His Word. A great place to start in the Christian life is to embrace the faith of David and all those who came after him for 3,000 years. Believers have been quoting and relying on the promises contained in Psalm 23. So why don't you go there? Psalm 23. It's a famous thing. We teach the little children, and it's a pretty straightforward thing, a pretty straightforward message. But there's some profound, very profound theology in it, and it's very personal. Uh, May I even say today it's very relevant to the Christian life, to the everyday Um, comings and goings of a believer who is either in trouble or in uh, in joy. If you're in hardship or if you're in joy, Psalm 23 has a lot to say about uh, what life is all about. Let me start out. There's only six verses to the psalm. It's a little song, and uh, I look forward to hearing David sing it someday. But um, we don't have the music. We've just got the words, as with all the psalms. And this one has two metaphors, two images that are developed over uh, several verses. Uh, The first uh, metaphor or image is that God is a shepherd and you are his sheep. God is a shepherd and you are his sheep. Really puts us in our place. We need him. He provides for us and he protects us. And that wonderful image embraces both our humility and God's sufficiency, our need, and his provision. And that's a beautiful picture that um, will never outgrow. You'll never grow spiritually to the point where you don't need to be uh, his child who is receiving his provision, his sheep. The sec- That's verses 1 through 4. The second metaphor is in verses 5 and 6, where God is the host in the banquet hall in the kingdom, in this beautiful castle with an opulent feast, And you are the guest of honor. You are the one who is being provided that feast as the guest. And uh, even in the presence of your enemies. And uh, it is, uh, so it's these two things where God in both of the pictures is the provider. God is the provider. So let's work through it. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I like to say about verse one that uh, it establishes the metaphor of sheep and shepherd. The Lord is a she- is my shepherd, so that makes me his sheep. And the consequence of that statement, the Lord is my shepherd, is that I will not lack for anything. And um, think about this. We, we don't know what the word want means anymore. It means I won't be in need. I won't have a need that doesn't get met because God has taken it upon himself to meet my needs. That's what that means. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not find myself in need. When we complain, we're basically saying that God is not a good shepherd. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. As a sheep, you need grass. You need good, pretty, fat grass to eat. 
You need good, clean water to drink, not turbulent water that, um, that runs up your nose. It's just a quiet, trickling stream beside quiet waters. See, the tranquil picture of a feast. That's a sheep's feast where you have tranquil water and good fat grass. And this is what he does. He restores my soul by providing the sustenance, the nourishment I need as his sheep. He restores my soul. It makes me think of John chapter 20, uh, where Jesus is talking to Peter. And they talk about, um, do you love me, Peter? And he asks him, and, and Peter says, yes, I love you. And Jesus says, feed my sheep. Tragically, one of the translations I'm reading from, the New American Standard says, uh, tend my sheep or shepherd my sheep. But the word is feed, bosco, to feed. That means to provide food for, fodder. And so he feeds me. God is feeding us. He tells Peter to, to feed my sheep, and God feeds us spiritually. That nourishment that we need that Jesus referred to when he said, in quotation of Deuteronomy, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. See, God feeds you his word, and he feeds you himself. I mean, his content, his understanding of him through his word, so that you can say in verse 3, he restores my soul. Because of this restoration, this this uh, nourishment that you receive uh, from a refreshing meal uh, on the things of God, you are equipped to take the next steps that he leads you on. And the second portion of verse 3 says, He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Why does Jesus guide us in the paths of righteousness? For his own namesake for his person for who he is this is again the bible is so deep it's got these little statements that have such profound implications think about it he guides me in the paths of righteousness like he takes me on the right path but it's not about me it's for his namesake and we never need to lose sight of that life is not about us Life is about God. Our lives are about God, but our lives are for him. And so they have profound value. God desires to glorify himself eternally through your life. And so he guides me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. That might be my favorite statement in this passage because it reminds me of what thing, what life is all about. I am not just somebody that's trying to get along through life. I have been saved by the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. I belong to the royal family of God and nothing can separate me from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And yet, and yet, um, we, we, we make it about us. It's amazing. All right, so if you are walking down the paths of righteousness with, with God for his namesake, that he is leading you on in, in a righteous way, because of who he is in glory of his person, then where does that path of righteousness take you? In verse four, most people don't put these together, but they go together. Because he's leading me down the paths of righteousness, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you're with me. See, because he's guiding us in paths of righteousness, a lot of times, and uh, in, in everybody's case, actually, we're all going to face, face death unless we're part of that generation that will be um, translated to heaven without dying physically. But he says, um, even if I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you're with me. 
The presence of God as a loving shepherd, providing encouragement by his very presence. This is what, uh, what, we're, what David is talking about. When he was a shepherd among the flocks of Jesse, his father, before he became the shepherd over the nation Israel to be the king that would protect and provide for his people. When he was the shepherd in Jesse's flock, uh, can you just imagine that the young man uh, who was the singer whose, whose, whose voice could soothe the, the tormented King Saul, who had all the riches of, of, uh, of art, artistry in his singing? Can you imagine him singing to calm his, his sheep? And they, they're used to the sound of his voice. And, and that we know this about sheep. If the person that feeds them is their shepherd and they know his voice and they come when he calls and they don't come when other people call. That's just how sheep are. But the presence of that shepherd with those sheep is comforting to them. It stabilizes them. It enables them to manage something they couldn't manage otherwise. And this is what we're talking about. You're facing something that's way out of control. It's out of your hands. It's the valley of the shadow of death, a, a death-shadowed valley, a low point in life that threatens your death. And yet you can fear no horrible outcomes. Though they may have a horrible outcomes, you don't have to be afraid of it because he's with you. And it says, your rod and your staff, your shepherd's implements, they comfort me. So I'm comforted by the fact that you're powerful, that you're there, and that you will act on my behalf, even if I have to go through harrowing and difficult circumstances. Everybody uh, who's ever become a believer in Christ, has, uh, who is no longer alive, has died physically. Everybody has faced the biggest uh, fear that we all have to face. Everyone who's ever lived and died has had to face that reality of physical death. And it's, it's frightening because it's unknown. And yet, Jesus is well known. We know him, and so we can trust him. And the more you get to know him, the more this will be true to you, that even if I walk through the valley, the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you're with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Well, David changes the metaphor in verses 5 and 6. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And this is a very interesting image. It is that you are the guest of honor in the hall of the great king, and your enemies have to watch it. It reminds me of the story of uh, Haman and Mordecai in the book of Esther, where Haman wanted to kill and, and Mordecai and hated the Jews and hated Mordecai, the righteous Jewish man. And yet, um, by God's providence, he had to honor him uh, very greatly and had to, had to just eat it, had to, had, to, had to suck up the fact that uh, he was being forced to honor this man that he hated. And that, it's kind of like your enemies are captive and they're sitting there bound in their, in their POW uniforms and they have to watch the success that you encounter and, and, and receive because you belong to the right father, to, to the right king. And um, <clears throat> you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And, do, you know, do you have enemies? Are they a cause for your worry? Do you, do you get overwhelmed by the fact of your enemies? Well, look at what he does in verse 5. You prepare a table before me of a, a, a a feast before me of honor in the presence of my enemies, those who hate me and want to detract from me and want to, want to see me fail and, and are always naysaying and, and all that. Look at what the, the king of the universe is doing on your behalf. You've anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. So you're being given the royal treatment, in other words. 
the your wine glass is is overflowing with blessing and the anointing of your head with oil uh, by David's statement might refer to being designated as the king for Israel. That's Mashiach, the designated one or the anointed one, where we get the word Messiah, which is translated Christ in the New Testament. It might refer to that, or it might be the way you treat an honored guest. You refresh him. You, you show um, <clears throat> your hospitality by providing uh, re- refreshment and, and the, the anointing of oil. Um, but but anyway, you're definitely dressed well for the feast, and you've been uh, properly presented. And at that feast, your cup overflows. And then what can we conclude from how we've been treated in verse 6? You know, question, surely goodness and mercy, goodness and chesed, translated in the New American Standard, loving kindness, will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell live, reside in the house of the Lord forever. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. I will be pursued by these blessings from God and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now these are the most artistic words perhaps that have ever been written. It's the most encouraging and reassuring statement and I I always have the same effect of stability and strength when I read through and think through what is being said. Two things to take away from this are that it's not about us. You lead me in the paths of righteousness for your namesake. God does this for his namesake. And yet we benefit unbelievably with the massive banquet and all the provisions and all the honor that God lavishes upon us. It's all for his glory. And so when God blesses you, he's showcasing his love as a father And this glorifies him, and we need to never forget that. Heavenly Father, as we go through our day seeking to serve you, to be pleasing to you, to walk in a manner worthy of our calling, we ask that your spirit would strengthen us, would equip us, would remind us of these things, and that we would be equipped thereby to trust you, even when we're suffering, even when we're struggling, and even when we're we're not struggling, we're having a good time. Help us trust you. And remember, that's uh, the, 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 to serve you is why we're even here. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to Daily Fuel. This podcast is a ministry of David J. Roseland Bible Ministries and is made possible by listener support, both financially and through your prayers. Till next time, pray without ceasing.